Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thank you. Okay. Well, today we are beginning a new sermon series, and it does have something to do with love, not the love of pizza or garlic bread or whatever else might have come up on your table. We are going to be looking over the next few weeks at the Old Testament book of Hosea. And we're going to be looking at the character of God as it's portrayed in that book. So we will be looking at some other scriptures as well. Um, But before we get into the background of Hosea, I would like to tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a righteous, kind, prosperous man. And he was looking for a wife so he could generously share everything with her. And this beautiful woman caught his eye. You know, she was so full of life and passion, even a bit flirtatious, charming, and he fell in love with her. Well, he gave her many gifts, and he asked her to marry him, and she said yes, and for a while, everything was great. They had a baby boy, and she was fully devoted to him. However, his joy at his son's birth was tainted because he noticed his wife's behavior started to change. He saw she was really quite full of herself, always looking in the mirror, always thinking of her own desires. And he noticed that she wasn't just directing her attention to him, but she was starting to direct it to other men also. She would laugh and joke and flirt with them and win their hearts and accept gifts from them and, and give, her, give them her attention. And at times, it seemed like he was taking her devo- his devotion to her completely for granted. He was wholeheartedly committed to her, but she wasn't satisfied with his love alone, and she pursued other relationships. So he was heartbroken because he saw that she kept being warmer and warmer toward other people and colder and colder to him. Well, when she fell pregnant for the second time, he had serious suspicions that this child was not his daughter. And she wasn't loved as well as she should have been. And as soon as she was weaned, she felt pregnant for the third time. And this time, he was 100% sure that this was not his child. And he, by this time, he thought, I, I, I should divorce her, you know? Like, I, w- I know I would be very justified in, in letting her fend for herself and divorcing her because her unfaithfulness was so obvious, everybody could tell around them. And it seemed foolish that he should continue in this relationship when she'd just been so, well, she wasn't really interested in being with him anymore. But this was a truly righteous man, and he was very faithful to this covenant, even though she was unfaithful. And of course, he was angry about what she did because she was so obvious and brazen but it also broke his heart because despite her prostitutions, he couldn't stop loving her. He wanted to see her thriving and whole, and he wished that they could actually have a deep and a loving relationship and a happy family. But she left him completely. Well, he knew that love can't be forced, so he gave her space and hoped that she would come back. 
She kept him at a distance, but as time passed, he could see that she was becoming more and more miserable. She was being mistreated by her lovers, and eventually she found herself destitute and at the mercy of very unkind people. So when he could stand it no longer, he thought maybe, maybe she'll be willing to come back. He went to her and he settled her debts and asked her to come home, to be with him as his beloved wife and to be faithful to him, even as he was to her. We'll end the story there. And I wanna give credit to Joe Ramdas Garcia. This was a lot of her imaginings in this retelling of the Hosea story. Now, who found that a comfortable and nice story? Not me. <laughs> I'm sitting up here like, oh, they're so uncomfortable. They're so uncomfortable. So am I. Welcome to the book of Hosea. <laughs> it's not a comfortable book. The book of Hosea is well known for this account. There's a lot of, a lot of things in the book of Hosea, but the thing that people most likely know is the story about Hosea, who was the prophet, and his wife, Gomer. And this was sort of a modern retelling of it with, based on the, the main points of their relationship that we know from the book of Hosea. Now, as the first talk in this series, our focus is going to be on the overarching message of this book of Hosea. So we're going to have a little discussion at our tables. Um, this was a message for the people of Israel, okay? And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. It's also a message for us today. So if this book, you can put the question up if you'd like. There we go. If the story I just told you um, illustrates the main message of the book of Hosea, take a guess. What do you think the main message of the, of the book of Hosea is? For example, who is like God in the story in some ways? Who does the woman represent? And what's the main point? What is the main point of that type of illustration? So let's take a couple of minutes and talk about it at our tables, and then I'll call you back. Yeah, it's about God's love and how the person doesn't deserve the love or to be saved, but is loved. Yeah, basically, the book of Hosea is all about the faithful, relentless love of God for his people. And the series is called Relentless. Relentless is, a, we'll, we'll discuss that in a few minutes around our tables about what relentless actually means, but it's a really strong and it's this love that is undeserved and sometimes not accepted, often rejected, but never laid aside by God. Like his love is, is always pursuing, always waiting, and God longs for that deep relationship with his people and that they will faithfully love him in return. So let's just take a minute to look at the background of this book because a few months ago, those of you who were around, um, we did a few sermons in the book of Judges, right? So if you know where this fits in the history of Israel, it is actually a little bit easier to understand what the book is about. So there, was the, there were these 12 tribes that became the nation of Israel and settled in the Promised Land. 
And they had this first period where they had these judges. And we learned about a few of them earlier in the year. Then after that, they had some kings. They actually only had three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon, when they were a united country. And then when Solomon's son took the throne, they split into two. And the northern kingdom what took the name Israel. And they, that was the majority of the tribes. The southern kingdom was Judah and some of Benjamin. But they still had Jerusalem, the capital, and that is where the temple of God to the God of Israel was. Okay? So Judah managed to stay a little bit more faithful to God now and then. <laughs> like they continued to worship the God of Israel, sometimes exclusively and sometimes not. Whereas Israel in the north, who didn't often go to the temple, who weren't really connected in with the system, they very quickly started to worship other gods and were not de devoted to Yahweh. So they, and their society started to go downhill as a result. So they split in 931 BC, if you like dates, which I don't, but if they split about then, and about 200 years later, we've got Hosea. And he is living in the northern kingdom of Israel. So he's speaking to the people who are being worshiping other gods, having their hearts, and their hearts turned aside to other gods, and then their actions are following. You know, there's a lot of injustice and cruelty. Um, there's a lot of just terrible practices that would make our skin crawl that, are, that they've started to adopt because they've, they've strayed. Their hearts have strayed and their actions have strayed. So um, he is, Hosea is a prophet. Now, um, in the Old Testament, prophecy is a little bit different than what we talk about with New Testament prophecy. Because in the New Testament, everyone who believes in Jesus has the Holy Spirit in them. So we can all hear from God and have his guidance, and we read the Bible, and it makes sense to us because of the Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament times, it was that man or sometimes that woman who had the Spirit of God resting on them, and God used that person to, to speak the truth in their generation, um, to call the people to come back, like come back and love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and keep the co covenant that he made with you. Um, and as a result, most of the prophets did not have a very easy life because nobody likes to be told that they're doing something wrong. Um, and in Hosea's case, one of his painful things in being a prophet was that his personal life was involved in what God was trying to say. Um, his personal life was kind of like a parable, like a story that illustrated something to the people of Israel. So I'm going to read you just a few highlights from Hosea chapter 1, and that will give us a little bit of, I'm, I'm not even going to read all the verses because we're just trying to get the overarching story today, basically, um, of what, what his life was like and what God was trying to say about you know, the, his relationship with his people, okay? Okay. By the way, it was about the last, the very end, of, it was the very end of Israel's history that Hosea was speaking. Like these were the last days, this was the last ditch effort to get them to repent and to change their ways. Um, but they were choosing their own course away from God and he was kind of like, well, shall I just let you go? And this is, this is him saying, come back, come back. All right, so let me read from Hosea chapter one. It will, I should be up on the screen, the verses I'm reading. 
The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. Verse 6, Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. Verse 8, after she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. So here we see how Hosea's marriage and Gomer's three children, probably only one of which was also Hosea's, we get that from another part of the book, that they were an illustration of what God saw in the children of Israel, his chosen people. Because through worshiping these other gods and looking to other nations to save them rather than God, and through living out injustice and cruelty and exploitation in their lives and their society, they were betraying everything that being God's people meant. They weren't acting like God's people. They're, as I said, like the woman in the opening story, their hearts wandered and then their actions followed. And in fact, in the book of Hosea, and actually in other books in the Old Testament, God calls them adulterers. He means they've been unfaithful when they're worshiping other gods. And we can see, among other things, that God is angry about this. I don't think we can get around that. Um, when he says, you know, not loved, not my people, God is trying to shock them into realizing just how bad things have gotten. You know, it's like um, they would have been thinking, we are God's people. You know, we are his beloved. We are the apple of his eye. And he's like, well, it doesn't look like it. You don't, you don't really seem to have much of any relationship with me. And he's trying to get their attention. Um, it wouldn't be the first time in the Old Testament that God has, you know, felt. I, I kind of hesitate to say this because it's a little bit theologically dubious. But the, <laughs> that he's, in some ways, you feel like God is saying, I feel like disowning you. You know, you know and he said this to Moses as well about the people once. But the key point is, he doesn't do it. That is the point, okay? He's angry with their behavior, but he never gives up on them. And that is, that is the point that we have to take and we have to hold on to through this whole book of Hosea because God's covenant love is way stronger than human love. We humans... We do get to a point where we say, that's enough. You know, I won't be made a fool of. There is no way forward. And that's just how it is, actually. But God is not like that. 
He is different, and that's why I think it's so hard for us to understand just how amazing his love is, because we have never experienced anything like it, ever. It's much, much stronger, because he keeps loving persistently, relentlessly, no matter what, even when it's thrown back in his face, he keeps on loving. We are never beyond the reach of his love. So anybody who's thinking today, oh, I've messed up too many times, it's been, I've gone too far, nope, nope, not for, this, not for this God. He loves relentlessly, no matter what. He never stops, he never gives up. So we can even see this if we go on to verse 10 um, in the same chapter. It says here, yet the Israelites, so he's, he said all this stuff, and then immediately almost, he says, yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In that place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel, those two divided nations, they will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. So here God is referring back to Abraham, who was like the great-grandfather of the nation of Israel. He made a promise to Abraham, your descendants are going to be like the sea on the seashore that won't be able to be counted, or like the stars in the sky, and everyone, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. And God is saying, you guys have completely blown it. Like you have completely blown your end of this covenant that we made. But I have not forgotten, and I am still fulfilling my promise. I will never stop loving. He sees beyond the present situation. Aren't we glad that God sees beyond our present situation? He sees beyond our present situation. And he describes his vision for that time when his relationship with his people will be beautiful and whole. And that his people will thrive in his love. Just as the man in that opening story longed to see his wife thrive and to have a relationship, a deep relationship. So God keeps loving. That's what the book of Hosea is about. The faithful, relentless love of God for his people, who longs for a deep relationship with his people and that they will love him in return. So as we are continuing on in this series, we're going to have to keep in the back of our mind this, the overarching theme is a relentless love of God. So I'd like us to talk about that around our tables for a minute. I've put out there, I think, the, yes, relentless. I looked it up in the dictionary. It means determined, remaining determined, refusing to give up, not weakening, even stubborn. It has a little bit of a negative connotation. Like, it's like a little bit, you know, pushy. <laughs> um, so... Think about what we've just talked about in your own reflections. How do you think God's love is different than human love? And what is your reaction to the idea that God loves you relentlessly? Okay, so we'll take a few minutes to discuss that. Okay, 
So how is God's love different than human love? Well, God is love. That is, that's actually a quote from 1 John 4, 8. God's love is not like human love, as I said, that has its limits and failures. We humans, we have limits of what we can handle before we break. But God is almighty. And incredibly, he puts that power into his love. His love is strong. That's why I've got weights there. Stick that image in your head. It's so strong. It's so much stronger and bigger and better than our failures. And the different qualities of God's character, even things like his judgment and his discipline, which may not seem very loving to us, they are different facets and expressions of his love because he is always love. And I personally don't think we need to balance out his love. We just need to explore it more deeply because it's, he, it's not a cheap love. You know, God is always seeking the good of the other at his own cost. And it's pure and it's holy. It's just so different from ours. And this book of Hosea, with all of its, yes, its troubling passages and disturbing imagery and not very nice stories, well, it's about the relentless love of God for his people and his desire for them and for us to love him in return. So we started with a story, but we didn't quite finish it, did we? What is the end of the story? Well, actually, we don't know the end of Hosea and Gomer's story. We, next week, you may touch a little bit on, I, I put it in the first story, but we didn't look at the Bible passage about her coming back to him. We think she came back, but what we don't know is was she actually ever content and happy? Did they actually ever have a good relationship or not? I don't think the book tells us. At least I haven't seen it there, but I will not claim to be an expert about this book, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> um, so you can go to the next slide if it will go in. So Jose and Gomar, we, we're not sure about their ending. Sadly, Israel, because this was their story too, they didn't respond to God's call to come back to him. Now, that doesn't mean he's given up on them forever, but they, they ceased to be a nation um, within Hosea's lifetime. They were taken over by the Assyrian Empire, and that was the end of them. They basically never came back. You know, as a Judah continued for hundreds more years, and you know, they they for at least for centuries until modern times, they never appeared again. Um, they forgot the glorious things that God had done for them as a people, and they continued to worship other gods and live like that. But what about us? Because Hosea speaks to us too, and our stories with God are not finished. If we're here today, our story with God is not finished yet. And when Jesus came, he showed us the full extent of God's love. You know, we read in that familiar verse of John 3.16 that, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That is how relentless God's love is. That is how far he went to show us and to get us back 
to bring us into relationship with him. He laid down his life. And he gives us, through Jesus, this opportunity to enter a whole new level of relationship with him. It's way beyond really what Hosea imagined, to be honest. <laughs> he got some glimpses of it, but it's way beyond that. It's about, being, it's about being filled with the Holy Spirit and having the presence of God in our everyday lives. And it's about surrendering everything, all the control, all the failures, everything, putting them all in God's hands and instead receiving his love, being fully forgiven, free from shame, some of us need to be free from shame. That's something that Jesus took away. He, he died not only for our sin, he died for our shame. We're not meant to carry that anymore. Because you know what? Sometimes it keeps us from knowing that we're loved, how much we're loved. God doesn't receive us as some sort of grudgingly, okay, I guess I'll, okay, I'm glad you've, I'm glad you've decided, you know, to rec realize your bad ways and come back to me. I mean, he is glad, <laughs> but he receives us not like that. He receives us like a son or a daughter who is beloved, and he will stop at nothing to see us thriving and whole. So as we respond today, well, there's two, there's two ways, I think. First of all, if you've never surrendered, once and for all, kind of surrender to God's relentless love, you can do that today. I think Jesus wants to say, you don't have to keep running. You don't have to keep hiding. I, you can say yes. You can just say yes. Okay, I say yes to this love. I say yes to this forgiveness. I say yes to what you've done for me, Jesus. Yes to your forgiveness, your transformation, your wholeness. And for some of us, I think we know we're loved by God and we know that we have a relationship with him. We're quite sure about that. But we still have a hard time actually believing that we are loved like that. That we are loved that relentlessly, that perfectly. And the New Testament in Romans 8, it says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not Death or life, angels or demons, present, future, height, depth, anything in all creation, whether we deserve it or not, whether we fail or not, we are relentlessly loved. But I think some of us, we've got blockages. And it's not just about what we feel, it's about what sinks in and how we live. Sometimes it's a blockage because actually, we know God loves us, but frankly, we've been letting our gaze drift to a lot of other things. And we haven't been taking the time to look at him and find out how much he cares about us. In other words, we've let other things take our attention, like that woman in the story. And you know what? That one's kind of easy to fix. It's just acknowledging it to God and saying, I'm sorry. I don't want it to keep doing that. Help me to look at your face, to look at how you see me, and to make my relationship with you the most important thing in my life. I want to just surrender it all to you. And some of us, we have blockages from other things that need healing, actually. It's not always something we did. Sometimes it's something that was done to us. And that can affect our ability to actually know that we're loved and to live like we're loved. And a lot of us, we got a combination of those things, honestly. But the Holy Spirit knows us. He knows you better than you know yourself, better than anybody else knows you. 
And I believe he wants to come and minister his healing and his grace today. That where when, when we just tell him we're sorry and we ask for his forgiveness, he gives it. And we can move forward in a, a, de- a depth of knowing that we're loved. Because that's where transformation happens. It's in knowing that we're loved. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.